Okay, I think you guys are done, right? Yeah. Um, hey guys, so I'm Ricardo Sterling. Um, we, as part of the cohort, we did this mission survey that some of you guys fill, uh, fill up. And, um, oh yeah, you guys cannot see it yet, but, um, yeah, basically, I'm just gonna read through the notes. So, our goal, our goal was to gauge the health of the church in terms of our core values. Um, we used this survey to show uh, how do we rate ourselves as a group in terms of our core values and see how we can grow and also why we can praise for um, where we see we are and based on these responses. Um, and yeah, these are the sermon, these are some of the values that we just went over these past sermons. Um, and um, to go to see how we did on each value, uh, we got um, an average score, and we got the scale from one to ten, um, and basically on where, how do we see our community, and how we do, like um, from, and using that scale to measure that. Um, so also we divided our our values in three categories: maturity, spiritual, and community. So in maturity we have. Um, making mature disciples uh, who love and serve and cherish Jesus. Then also growing leaders. And then under spiritual, uh, we have simple devotion to Jesus, love of God's word. Um, and then on community, we have deep relationships, uh, everyday outreach, and work community. And yeah, now we'll go through maturity. We'll start. Yeah, so. <clears throat> I would say you could see the scores, but I'll just make sure I say it slowly so we can get a sense of where we really are with all of this. So like Ricardo said, we broke down everything on a scale of one to 10 based on average scores of what people uh, rated on the survey and how the community agrees with where we embody each value. And so for looking at the maturity um, core values, personally making and maturing disciples people rated their personal efforts uh, as a 7.75 out of 10. Uh, collectively as a body, we were rated uh, for making immaturing disciples as a 7.36. And finally, growing leaders as a church landed us at 7.61. Um, after looking at the scores, we kind of figured out ways where we could praise God's uh, work that he's been doing in the church and also come up with ways to encourage us to be harder workers and build with a collective effort in very specific ways. The feedback we received had a common theme of community trying to live out what we believe, which is great. The church provides the opportunity, primarily through the cohorts initiatives, to become more mature. Generally, people feel empowered to take leadership and serve in our church. I want to encourage us, though, to take ownership of building a mature community by internalizing the making disciples aspect together. Cohort shouldn't be the only way people are empowered to step up in the church. We wanna remind you that aside from the commitment of the cohort, there's the desire that we have of various ways of people to step up and serve. There's the Chula team, worship, tech, setup, tear down, inreach. There's a lot that goes into this church and a lot of different ways that you can be involved. And I wanted to read Ephesians 4, 4 through 16 in the message version. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babies in the woods, small children who are easy prey for predators. God wants us to grow up, 
know the whole truth and tell it in love. Like Christ in everything, we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. Now, Ricardo. Okay. Mm, yeah, now for spiritual development, uh, on simple devotion to Jesus, uh, we got an average of 7.2. And then, oh yeah, there it is. Yes. Uh, good. So love of God's word, we got at a seven. So yeah, we can see on this that um, we uh, we still have some room to grow, but also like, you know, we're not doing the bad. <laughs> right. Uh, and no, yeah, but now more seriously, um, um, yeah, regarding these two values, um, these are so bare, they are very individual, and we have a lot of room to grow and learn how to live devoted um, to Jesus and love God's word and individual level. Um, so we found praiseworthy that our staffs, uh, our staff lives out these values, and just um, by seeing that, encourage us to follow their example, and and also as an encourage um, for us regarding. Um, these two values, based on Sirach's sermon a few weeks ago, um, is that we can honor where we are spiritually in an individual level, and take the next step in our like spiritual disciplines. Um, and yeah, and I just got a few scriptures. One from Colossians uh, 3:16. Um, Let the word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling richly in your heart and mind. Um, permeating every as aspect of your being as you teach and admonish and train uh, one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and songs with thankfulness to God. And then on Thessalonians 5, 16, 18, um, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ for you. Nice. And, yeah. So we're gonna take a look at we're gonna take a look at some community focused core values. On the next, yeah. And so we scored a 7.36 out of 10 for deep relationships. Uh, everyday outreach was the lowest we had at 5.95, and finally warm community was the second lowest at 6.92 out of 10. Next. So outreach is kind of difficult to assess because it's such an individual aspect of our lives. Um, our church is not doing outreach events, so we kind of need to respect where we are at with outreach and how outreach looks in our everyday reality. And we need to allow ourselves to work this out with God. Collectively, as individuals, though, we all rated outreach as our lowest thing. Uh, it's very praiseworthy, though, that we emphasize deep relationships, and the church generates warm community out of those deep relationships. And those kind of friendships, as a reminder, look like sticking with the church, even when you don't want to, sharing life with each other, drawing other people in, welcoming people in quickly, and being there for people even quicker. While we aren't perfect, God has helped us start a solid foundation. Unfortunately, our church is intimidating to new members and college students who are about to transition to life post-college. I encourage us to see beyond our deepest friendships and relate with each other uh, that we might not know much about as well. So Troy and I will be issuing a challenge later that will help us begin to relate to other people better. 
Lastly, I must clarify something. There's a common struggle to compare outreach in the campus environment to outreach in the reality of the adult world. It's praiseworthy that Focus will be growing and providing students' needs, but we can't expect adult ministry to look exactly the same in how it develops and how our church grows. For 1 Peter 3.8 in the message version says, summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you with no expectations, uh, no retaliation, no sharp tongue sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing and you'll also get a blessing. So yeah, now for uh, conclusion, yeah, we can see that a lowest was everyday outreach. So maybe some helpful things to consider. Um, maybe, you know, how, how do we grow in everyday outreach uh, with people inside and outside our community? Um, how are we reaching to those in need or marginalized outside our community? And then for our highest value, uh, growing leaders, um, there is a lot of ways to serve church and uh, grow as a leader and disciple. Um, then, you know, how can we serve uh, the church body? And um, are these areas, are there areas that we can support better? How can we uh, get more involved? Um, and then also consider talking to other people regarding uh, how you are helping build the church um, with these of core values. And um, yeah, also remember that the sermons are posted on Spotify and other, uh, uh, I guess, podcasts, yeah. uh, services. Uh, and yeah, uh, that, that was it. And yeah, thank you guys for the attention. And yeah, I'm just going to pray to end. Um, yeah, thank you, God, um, that you allow us to see how um, we are as a church and where we are currently. And just ask you that you keep us um, maturing us as a body and help us uh, grow to. Um, yeah, just to bring uh, glory to your name and to uh, be part of your kingdom. And just name, amen. Amen. Hey. Good morning. Okay, so I want you to know that um, Veronica preached the first half of my sermon. And Sterling and Troy preached the second, I mean, uh, Sterling and, <laughs> thank you, Ricardo, preached the second half of my sermon. So um, I really am excited. Uh, Garrett got sick. I'm not excited about that. Um, and so I had to uh, prepare the sermon at the last minute, and I just really prayed about what the Spirit would want us to hear this morning. And as I've sat and I've listened to everybody else, I've listened to the songs that we've sang. I was like, it's very evident that the Spirit has a message for us this morning. And so that is the part that I'm excited about. So we um, just finished our sermon series, and now we're going into a new one, and we're going to do it on 1 Corinthians. And so what we've done is we've divided 1 Corinthians into sections of two chapters, and that's what we'll cover each week. So we'll do one and two, three and four, five and six, and so forth. The only one that will be out of order is Easter Sunday. We're going to do chapters 15 and 16 because those are the ones that talk about resurrection and hope. And so we want to do that for Easter. But the value that we want to hit on here is a love for God's word. And so we're going to be asking the small groups to read through the two chapters we're covering each week. 
we're not asking them to discuss them, talk about them, but just read through so that we know that a lot of us have read the text before we come together to talk about it. And then we're going to ask you personally to read through the text once during the week, and then we'll read through it together on Sunday morning as well. And so what we hope is that by um, somewhat, I mean, that's not like totally immersing ourselves in Scripture, but more so than maybe we sometimes do, um, that we'll develop a love for God's Word, that we'll see the value and the power behind it um, as a whole church together. So as we start this morning, um, let's just think about what do we know about the city of Corinth. And what we know is that it was part of a Greek province called Achaia. And that's important because when you're reading scripture, a lot of times it will refer to the province of Achaia rather than to a specific city within that. And so it helps you know that we're talking about that general area that includes Corinth. It was a port city, so it's very diverse in every way, including religions. There's a big transient population because people, because it's a port city, people come through, they don't stay, and then they move on, and then they come back through, and so we get a group of people that are kind of in and out versus a large population that's staying there all the time. It's a center for sports and for government and for military and for business, and it has lots and lots of temples to lots and lots of gods. So to Athena, to Apollo, to Poseidon, to Isis, to Asclepius. And then the big temple that they have in Corinth is the temple to Aphrodite. And just to give you um, something to kind of compare that to, the temple of Aphrodite usually had around a thousand women who were prostitutes and priestesses of the god Aphrodite. And so it was one of the big prominent, she was one of the big prominent gods in Corinth. Corinth has been described as intellectually alert, materially prosperous, and morally corrupt. One of the things I want to hit on about the materially prosperous is that uh, it operated very much off of a caste system. And so there were people, the city itself was very prosperous, but a lot of people that lived there were, did not benefit from that prosperity. So what does the Bible tell us about the church in Corinth? You can look in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 17, and there's a lot of information there about the church of Corinth. We see that Paul came from Athens to Corinth during his second missionary journey. And there he met a Jewish couple called Aquila and Priscilla. They had been kicked out of Rome with the Jews there and had had to come to Corinth because of that. They were tent makers, and because Paul was a tent maker too, he stayed with them and worked with them to support himself while he preached the gospel in the city of Corinth. He began by preaching Christ to the local Jews in their synagogue, and that did not go well. Um, he was um, rejected. The scripture even uses the word abused. And so he moved from the synagogue to a nearby home of a man called Titus Justus. And there he proclaimed the gospel to non-Jewish people. 
Even though the Jews at the synagogue opposed him, the synagogue leader named Crispus and his entire household believed and joined the church at Corinth along with many other Christians who heard Paul preach. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him to keep on preaching, to not be silent, to not be afraid, because the Lord had many people in that place. And so because of that vision, Paul stayed in Corinth longer than he stayed at most any other of the churches that he planted. He stayed for a year and a half there. And that's important for us to know because it tells us that he made deep relationships with this pe- these people. He knew them very well. He loved them very much, the p- church at Corinth. From Corinth, he went to Ephesus and then to many other cities and then back to Ephesus where he wrote this letter to the Corinthians, this letter known as 1 Corinthians. One of the big questions and one of the big tensions that you'll see in 1 Corinthians is the city versus the church. And so the question of, is the church influencing the city or is the city influencing the church? And I think that's an important question for all of us to think about as we read through Corinth. Is DNC influencing the city of Denton or is the city of Denton influencing DNC? And we'll look as we go through 1 Corinthians and see exactly what that means and exactly what that looks like. So 1 Corinthians is obviously a letter. And in this day and time, letters took a lot of money. They were very expensive to get to where they were going. And they took a lot of effort to really craft them carefully from beginning to end so that the people that are getting them know the message, understand the message of the letter. It had four parts. It had an opening, which if you think about our letters, which we don't write very often anymore, so I I may have to even explain to you what a letter is, I'm not sure, (laughs) but um, they had an opening where they told who the author of the letter was. Our letters, we start with who's receiving it, right? We start with Dear Dawn, um, and we end with who is writing it. But they started with who's writing it and who is it to. And then there was either a prayer of thanksgiving or a statement of thanksgiving. And then there was the body, which was the main reason for writing. What's the reader supposed to know or do about some specific issue? And that's where in 1 Corinthians... Paul will define a problem, and then he will respond with the gospel. And this is where I think we overlapped very well um, with Sterling and Ricardo. I really appreciated the way that they presented those results, because what they talked about is, here is our weakness, but here is the good news. Here is the gospel. And I think that that's one thing we can learn from Paul is that there's good news even in our weaknesses. He wanted people to see that the Bible is not just moral advice. It's an announcement about Jesus that opens up a whole new reality. And it's about seeing every part of life through the lens of the gospel. And then in the letter, there's a conclusion. Usually it's a greeting to other people around. It's travel plans. It's a final request or a prayer, something like that. So 1 Corinthians is a letter. Those are important things to keep in mind. 
And we're going to start by reading through 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. So if I could get maybe four people who would want to read. Okay, will you read 1 through 17 in chapter 1? Anybody else want to read? Okay, verses 1, 18 through 2, 5. And then we just need one more. 2, 6 through 2, 16. Okay, and Natalie, if you'll just start when... No, not Natalie, sorry. If you'll just start whenever you're ready. Sorry, I looked at the wrong place. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother, Sothenesis. I am writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by the means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you. Now that you belong to Christ Jesus, through him, God has enriched your church in every way with all of your eloquent words and all of your knowledge, this confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift that you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord, Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and in purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gallios. For now, no one can say that they were baptized in my name. Oh yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are, per who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligence I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Go ahead through 2.5. Oh, I thought you meant 25. Okay, got you. 
Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. He's bringing you a mic. You want me to finish it, right? Yes. Okay, gotcha. Okay. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for they had, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught not in words taught us by wisdom, human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." Wow, that's pretty powerful. We have the mind of Christ. Like, we could just park there on that one sentence and talk about what does that mean, and wow, that's really good news. And so I can tell you up front that you're going to get frustrated as we go through 1 Corinthians because we cannot possibly talk about everything in these chapters. And so we're only going to be able to talk about just a little bit, and there's always going to be things that you go, oh, but I wish we would have talked about that, or why couldn't we have talked about that? And guess what? You can do that. Like, you can talk to each other about those things that we don't cover. Um, This morning, I'm just going to cover the first nine verses, and I've pulled out what I think is an encouragement from the Spirit as we talk about 1 Corinthians. So first of all, you'll notice the opening. Paul is the writer. Um, Sosthenes, who he refers to as our brother, is there with him as well. In Acts chapter 18, there is a synagogue ruler referred to as Sosthenes. And this could possibly be that man. Might not be, but it could be. And so if you go back and read Acts 18, you can kind of read about who he was. 
um, and see if you think he might fit in here. It's written to the church of God in Corinth. In Greek, the word church just meant a gathering of people. It wasn't specific to anything religious. And so Paul here is defining this is the church of God. This is a meeting of God, not a meeting of the world. This is not just a gathering of people. It's a gathering of people called by God. And then we have the greeting, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace is a typical greeting for Paul. He uses it in his letters many times. Grace is always first because grace is the source of peace. And I think that's a really neat idea to keep in mind. So I'm going to um, focus in on four through nine. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In this letter, Paul is going to define problems. He's going to correct and rebuke the Corinthian church. But he starts with what he sees going well, where he sees God at work within the body. He thanks God and he praises him as faithful. The Corinthians had their strengths and they had their weaknesses, just like Denton North Church. Paul praises God for their strengths and he trusts God to take care of their weaknesses. And that's my first question here. Do you trust God to take care of the weaknesses in the Denton North Church, in your life individually, and in the lives of your brothers and sisters? Because if you don't, look at what Paul says here. By focusing on the faithfulness of God instead of the unreliability of humans, that's how he can look at what is going right there. Everything good they have, he says, their speech, their knowledge, their spiritual gifts, all of that has been given by God out of his grace. It's not about them. It's about what God is doing. Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. And I don't know about you, but that is a painful thing in my life when the thoughts of my heart are judged. And as we read and talk about 1 Corinthians, there will be correction and rebuke that Paul gives that applies to our body. There will be weaknesses that are exposed. And as that occurs, it's easy for us to become critical and negative about our church and about our brothers and sisters. It's easy to become hopeless. How long is it going to take for this to change? Are we ever going to be any better? 
and you will direct that one of three ways. It will either be directed at you yourself. You'll be like, I'm so awful. I'm so horrible. I have this weakness. I'm never going to get better. Or you're going to direct it toward the entire body, do the same thing with our church, or a specific brother or sister in Christ. And so we need to be aware of that. And we need to be careful of that. And we need to start by thinking about what is good and right. So what are the things that we see that Jesus is doing in the Denton North Church? I pulled some of your answers from the uh, survey results. The small group leaders had their small groups talk about this, and so these are some answers that are directly from members of our body. So one of the things we see Jesus doing is he's working for us to focus on knowing people and initiating conversations with them. He's working through creating opportunities for us to hang out and get to know each other, have fun, and build deeper relationships. New people that come in are recognized and made to feel welcome here. We had two sets of new people to our body that specifically listed that. People often use scripture and conversation with one another. People are empowered to lead and serve. We're there for people when hard things and when happy things happen. There's a longevity in a lot of our friendships. There's a commitment to small groups. People love each other. People love Jesus. And because people love Jesus, they serve like Jesus did. I want to paint you a picture of all the people in our body that serve. We have a setup team and a sound team that get here at 8.30 every Sunday morning. We have people that just recently volunteered to take coffee, take over the coffee, so that we have coffee for people when they come in. They clean all that up, wash all those mugs when we're done so that we're not throwing away trash every week from to-go coffee cups. We have people back in jam right now taking care of the children, loving on them, making a relationship with them, teaching them about the love of Jesus. We have our worship team that has done such a great job of leading us in thoughtful worship, picking songs that are thoughtful, getting us out of our comfort zone to be more expressive. We have small group leaders who prepare every week and think through things like, how am I going to get the people in my group to interact with each other? How do I get them to form relationships? How do we take care of each other? What do we need to talk about this week? What do we not need to talk about this week? We have our Chula leaders who are in charge of a lot of the teams that I just mentioned, making sure that those people are doing well and that they've got what they need to serve. We have our BIPOC team whose brainchild was uh, the panel discussion we had last week. They came up with that idea. They said, we think this would be good for our church. They thought through the questions. Um, they gave a lot of input and a lot of their heart into that. And they are doing that for a lot of different things, not just the panel discussion. We have our cohorts who are invested time-wise and money-wise in growing and learning to be a leader in our broader church community. And that doesn't even include, you guys, people who serve silently, people who get one-on-one -on -one with people, people who are there for people in a really hard time, people that are studying the Bible with people, people that you will never know anything about. 
And all of those things are things we can celebrate as good things, not because we're good, but because God is faithful to work in us when we are submitted to him. They're not our achievements. They're the work of God's grace in us as we submit to him. And he's going to continue that work. He's not going to stop because God doesn't change. In verse 8 and 9, it says, He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but as I read through some of the problems in the First Corinthian church, I don't know that I would say, I believe that God is going to keep you firm to the end. I think I might say you're in danger of uh, sliding off and being lost here. But he has faith in what God can do, not in what humans can do. And we need to have that same faith in ourselves and in our church. He can be confident because God is faithful. God is the one that calls us into fellowship of his son. So he is the one who will make us stand firm to the end and present us as blameless. In the first nine verses of this chapter, Paul refers to Jesus a total of 10 times. Paul emphasizes Jesus because he knows Jesus is the cure for the problems of the Corinthians. They just need to fix their eyes on Jesus. So it makes it totally different to expose and to look at our weaknesses when we know that Jesus is the answer to those when we know that Jesus is the one that transforms and Jesus is the one that works out his good in us, we can trust him to do that. The song that we sang this morning, Jesus Christ, Our Living Hope, when we were singing that, Estra said, that's good news. And I was like, yes, it is good news. And this is good news too for the same reason. Jesus Christ is our living hope. So as we read the word together, as we um, let the word judge the thoughts and attitudes of our heart, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's confront our problems. Let's praise God for our strengths. Let's grow our love for God's word. Let's trust God to be faithful and to complete the work he began in us collectively and individually. And let's praise God together as we do this. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to remind you that for next week, read chapters 3 and 4 of 1 Corinthians. Um, again, it was meant to be read aloud, so you might want to read it aloud to yourself or have a roommate or a spouse read it to you um, so that you can get the full experience of what re hearing a letter would have been like. And God, we just praise you for the work that you're able to do in our church. And we ask your spirit to come in power and to work out the weaknesses, the sin um, in our lives individually and collectively. And we pray that you would give us the strength to hear those corrections and rebukes and to bring those to Jesus and let him work in those. We thank you for the ways that we already see Jesus and the Holy Spirit working in our church family. And we praise you and thank you for those, Lord. 
Um, we just open ourselves up to your word and pray that you would make us lovers of your word. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Adam and Claudia are going to come up and give us a quick overview of the Spark Conference and what their experience was like. Hello, what's up? Um, so yeah, we're talking about the Spark Conference, which, do you like the gospel? Do you like <laughs> fellowship? Well, Spark Conference was for you last week, if you didn't go. Um, but we're going to talk about it today. Um, which, um, if you didn't know, it was a conference for young adults, um, 20 to 30, but college students were there too. 35. 35, yes. <laughs> whatever, whatever group you prefer, I guess. Um, but it was really good. Um, we're yeah. going to talk about it just a little bit and uh, our experience. So you want to go for it, Claudia? Yeah, I don't know what happened with like the wording, but I think a little bit, like people got kind of confused that it ended up being mostly people who graduated within the past two or three years. Still amazing, but next time we'll try and make it a little bit more known that it's welcome to anybody who's graduated and under 35. Yes. <laughs> Would you say it was pretty lit? It was. I don't use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll actually start sharing my stuff. Okay. Um, so it started off with uh, Jesse Wang, which he's a pastor at the Garden Northeast Church kind of introed our group, kind of talked about what we're going to do. Um, some cool quotes that I have from him. Um, one thing he had mentioned that I thought was good was, if you're not living your life for the Lord, then you're living it for something else. So kind of targeting, you know, young adults. You know, for me, like just graduating college, I'm trying to figure out what does life look like um, in general, especially what does my faith life look like as well. Um, and he said that if you live your life for anything but Jesus, you will be disappointed. Okay, which I also thought was pretty good. I mean, there's a lot of fire on here. Um, but then the main um, deal was to go into breakout groups, mm -hmm. which, Claudia, which breakout groups did we have? So I got to go to the one that Chelsea did about socio-emotional health, something or other. It was really good. Uh, and I also went to Ryan's on having a relationship with Jesus kind of on your own. Not on your own, but outside of focus where there's more of like a crowd of people looking in after you every week, which we should be doing, but yeah. Right, and I think there were, the other ones were one on finance, which I went to that one, which I thought was pretty cool with Aaron Knowles. Um, if you don't know him, he's also at the Garland Northeast Church, learned about credit, debt, all those sorts of things, um, and also how that ties in with their faith and the gospel, which that was really important. A lot of good reminders on that, um, and a lot of good practicals and good takeaways um, there was one on dating, but I didn't really feel like that was, you know, for me since, you know, I'm married. But for other people, yeah, I'm sure it was, was really good. Yeah, that one was, a lot of people were talking about that one. That one was uh, fire, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, for sure. Um, and I also went to one with uh, Ryan on living for yeah. Jesus and what that looks like. Um, there was one, I think, on how to live in the workplace um, for Jesus. Yes. Yes, can't confirm. Good. Um, so, yeah, there were a lot of opportunities to do different things if you didn't want one or the other. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. So two different groups you could pick from. Um, and then free food, which I thought was pretty cool as yeah. well. Um, but yeah, it was really good. I enjoyed it. Any other thoughts? Yeah. So when I was thinking of this, Josh asked us to share about this like last night. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, I just, I thought the breakout sessions were amazing. And I feel like I got a lot out of them. But I feel like for me, 
vulnerable minute, I, I have really struggled the past two years just like really feeling like I'm a part of this community, like feeling like I'm wanted here. I don't know where that comes from. And I think God is like trying to uproot a lot of that in me and like kind of balancing, okay, I do need to feel like part of this community, but also I need to make others feel like part of this community and finding the balance of that. And I think getting to go to an event like this and just all the events that we do as a church, like we can get lost in the events, but I just want everybody to know like you're so welcome there and you like really make a difference. Like I, I was at a birth all night, like midnight till 7 a.m. and I, I really did not want to go. And I just decided, okay, like what else am I going to be doing? I'm going to be on my couch watching TV, eating my dinner by myself if I don't go. And I went, and it wasn't because I'm good. It wasn't because, I don't know. I mean, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I think it was because God was good. That's why it was pretty great. So that's my stuff. So that was it? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Hello again. So uh, giving talk uh, real quick. Uh, in short, I think what I've been thinking about in regards to giving is, um, am I willing um, and even excited to give even when it hurts, or like when it's really going to take something um, away that maybe is needed or necessary? And um, I, I can't say that I am always excited or willing to do that when God asks to like give, um, and it's going to like hurt. Um, so I, I was thinking about the... Um, the uh, rich young ruler and how he asked Jesus, how can I inherit uh, or how can I enter into the kingdom um, of God? And uh, Jesus told him the commandments, commit to these commandments and do these. And he responded, well, I've done all of those since I was young. And Jesus said, well, then last thing, follow me, go and give everything that you have to the poor and follow me. And then he left, the rich young ruler left sad. And that's often me and that there's a place where I feel sad knowing what it is that God's wanting me to do. Um, but I, my prayer for myself and for our community is that we would be excited when God asks us to give beyond what's maybe comfortable or what's the minimum that we see in our lives. So obviously I'm not just talking about finances, but also our time and our efforts. And, um, and, and I think the part of that past passage is that um, it wasn't about the things, the stuff. It was the rich young ruler's heart. Like, did he want truly to be obedient and committed to Jesus? And if he wanted that, he would have had more of a willingness and excitement to give whatever it was that Jesus told him to give up in order to get to be a part of what Jesus was doing. Um, so that's, that's my prayer, and I'm going to pray. Lord, um, Lead us to be a community that truly will give whatever is needed in order to see um, your kingdom furthered and grown. Use us, Lord, please, um, to develop your kingdom. We love you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Aaron. So, as always, the details for giving are at northchurch.com slash donate. It's on our website. And also, like Leslie shared about last week, we have a Venmo. Enough of you guys were like, we don't know what banks are. We don't know what money is, but we know what Venmo is. So we have a Venmo. It's at Denton North Church. So anyway, um, thank you guys. This, was, this has been an eventful morning, hasn't it? 
We've seen like a bunch of faces, a bunch of people got to hear from a bunch of our friends and family and brothers and sisters. So it's just been such a treat. Um, I've got a few more things for us, things you want to make sure you use the last little bits of your attention to focus on and not miss, things that are happening that are cool in our community. The first is just what Leslie shared about, is that our new sermon series started today. And if you want to make sure you're following along and reading along and not getting lost in kind of the schedule of how to, which chapters we're covering which week, we have that schedule in our newsletter. Um, but like Leslie said, it's two chapters a week. But we made it just a little confusing by having chapters 15 and 16 happen on Easter. So if you get lost, just reference your newsletter. And if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, it's at dentonnorthchurch.com slash newsletter. And you can follow along with our First Corinthians series. Um, the next thing is the prayer meeting is happening. It's led by Don and Kurt, our shepherds. It's happening tomorrow at 7 p.m. at Kurt and Leslie's house, which is um, the, all the details of that are at dentonnorthchurch.com slash prayer. They may be behind me. No, they're not. It's okay, though. Um, that is a really cool night where we get to come together and pray for our community, pray for specific needs our community has, things that people are going through, and also just pray for our town, for uh, the things that are happening in our city, for the people around us, for the direction of our church, um, all of the above. You can come pray silently. You don't have to uh, be willing to pray in front of everybody. You can just come enjoy, hear other prayers, and pray silently together, and you just get to talk and fellowship with people. So uh, please don't miss that. Put that on your calendar. It's always on the first Monday of the month at 7 p.m. and almost always at the Rose House. So uh, anyway, don't miss that. The next thing is that this is only for a handful of people in the room, just to make sure everybody knows, but the BIPOC meeting is at noon, not 12.30. There's sometimes been confusion about that, at the ranch, and there is food there. So that does not mean that everybody who just heard food uh, go to that meeting. That's just for like the eight people who needed to hear that, that we wanted to make sure got that update and didn't show up 30 minutes late and to the wrong house, okay? So the ranch at noon, and there's already food there. Okay, sweet. And then the, uh, I was going to give an update that Leslie kind of already gave about the coffee team. We only announced that once, and we got like five people that volunteered immediately. So, woohoo! Let's thank those folks for being willing to brew coffee every Sunday. So, to shout them out, that's Claudia... Kaylee, Claire, Ryan, and Cole. So give them a hand. Yeah, you guys already did that. And we can thank them for the coffee. And have some grace. If things aren't perfect right out of the gate, it's okay. We're just glad to have something that's hot and looks like coffee. Amen? (laughs) Our next announcement is from Kaylee and Opal. If you guys will come up and share with what you're doing with us. Hi, um, this is Kaylee, I'm Opal, and um, we're a part of the cohort, and you'll see a lot of us cohort fam up here, Um, but we are so excited. We're starting a couple of women's initiatives coming up in the next couple of months, so you might see us a bit more talking about these really awesome opportunities that we're just really excited about getting our women connected with each other and um, growing in friendships. So the first one that we're announcing today is our women's book club. It's going to be at the end of this month. April, I have it written down, 24th, uh, 12.30 to 3.30. Um, We're reading a book called Out of Sorts, Making Peace with an Evolving Faith by Sarah Bessie, which we think is really just geared to a lot of the struggles that we've heard from the women in our church. Um, And so we're going to have a one-time meeting on the 24th to discuss that book. And then from there, we'll have paired you guys up and we'll announce at that meeting 
um, the pairings, and you guys can um, meet up at your own, like, scheduled time to discuss more in depth what ministered to you, what impacted you, and questions that you have from the book and how to live like Jesus better in our community. Um, do you have anything to add for that? Nope. Okay, cool. Yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> you can sign up for that book club at dettonnorthchurch.com slash ladiesbookclub. It's also in the newsletter. So, yeah. Sterling, Troy, we just wanted to get as many people up here today as possible. So. Hey, everybody. Want me to? Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, as our survey indicated, um, while it's praiseworthy that we emphasize deep relationships in our community, it tends to miss deepening friendships with those in different stages of life. And it's understandable to feel intimidated by people who don't have as much in common, but still we need to find ways of relating with each other by asking questions and understanding those in different stages of life. Uh, I'm gonna read a verse and then Troy's gonna explain a little bit more. Um, and then I have kind of like a, a, a further push. A better explanation of what I'm gonna give. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. So 1 John 4, 7 in the message version states, my beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. So we're going to start offering more opportunities for us to spend time with one another. Like the book club is a great opportunity for that. Um, So yeah, like a lot of what we read when we were looking over the survey results um, was that warm community is something that this church desires. This is something that this church wants. So with that said, I'm going to give you a challenge to spend time with someone in a different stage of life than you. Married, non-married, in college, post-college, someone with a ch- children or one kid, and someone who doesn't have children. Um, that one might be a little tough because there's not that many kids here. Um, but it doesn't have to be anything too difficult. You can get coffee, have a phone call, have a meal together, go on a walk. Um, And in a few weeks, we're going to have a community sharing about it where people can share their experiences. Yeah, and I want to strongly encourage y'all to not wait for somebody to initiate with you. Find someone on the other side of the room that you've never talked to or find someone who seems really intimidating because they're in college or married or have a kid or find someone who dresses differently than you or is of a different ethnicity. And like Troy said, we're going to have a community sharing, so just be ready to come and share feedback about how helpful this was or what you learned about somebody else in the community. And I just, yeah, pray that God will really bless those interactions and bring our community more together. What'd you say? That's it. Sorry. Thank you guys so much for giving us your extra patience. We can stack the chairs and get going. Appreciate y'all. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.